it's not your fault for being, you know, sensitive. It's not your fault. You don't, just because you are a little bit easier to hurt doesn't make you, doesn't mean that it's acceptable for people to hurt you. People should actually take more care like they do with children. You put a baby on board sign. Maybe that's what I need to do. Like baby on board, (laughs) just baby on board. Like just be gentle. Hello, my fellow F-Ups, my lovely flare-ups. I like to call us F-Ups. We flare up, uh, we fail forward, we fail upwards. We just become better through everything that goes on in our life, even if it's painful and, and sucks. I promise you, things will get better. Eventually, I promise. Uh, <laughs> I am excited about today's episode. It's sort of a, a mash between... It's a lot about uh, ADHD and sensitivity, mostly in a workplace context, but you can apply it to a lot of different environments. So if you feel like you just aren't fitting in, you have special, you have different needs than, you know, the people that are around you, uh, this should give you some comfort and strategies and tools uh, in order for you to feel like you can be successful wherever it is that you're planted at the moment. And uh, so I have a couple nuggets that I'm super excited about and I really hope that you enjoy. So please don't forget to share this podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Uh, I would really, really appreciate your help in getting the word out. Uh, I am focused, of course, on growing my coaching business. And don't forget uh, to look at the Hero's Journey, the journey program that's going to be starting at the end of September, which is a program over the next year uh, that is very affordable. Uh, that we're going to teach you the skills to become the hero of your own story. So if you're feeling like, I don't want to be in the same place next year, wherever you're at now, even if where you're at is great, but you're like, you know what, it's great, but it's still not where I want to be, then you definitely need to take this journey with us, me and Pat B. Creary of the Untold Stories uh, Expressive Storytelling Studio, because uh, we're going to teach you the way that you can do that for yourself. And what I love about the program is it is very individual. So it is, we give you tools and then you get to pick the ones and implement the strategies that work for you. Because you know what, not everything works for everybody. And some things work better for other people. One of my favorite sayings that I picked up when I took school uh, in uh, coaching was, you know, one person's cure might be another person's poison. And that's exactly how this program is built, is for you to be able to take the tools and then put your spin on them and make them work for you in a way that makes the most sense for your life, for your choices, for your goals, for your needs, your desires. Uh, So definitely check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, would really love to have you as part of it. It's not a very big time commitment. Um, each module will have a few nights over a month or so. So it's, and it's only an hour or two. Uh, and a lot of the work is sort of done at a self pace, which is really great. So it's very manageable with different schedules. There are different payment plans uh, as well. So if you need to, you know, make smaller payments or to adjust for budget, I know Pat Lee is also looking at ways to make a program for people that are uh, struggling financially. Uh, So she's looking for sponsors. So if you know anyone that is looking at really, you know, sort of that mental health area that would like to uh, invest in sponsoring someone maybe that needs the tools, needs the journey program, but maybe is not in the financial position to invest in it. uh, We're looking for sponsors to assist with that too. So definitely check out the journey. 
which will also apply to a lot of what I'm talking about today, just teaching you the skills and tools to become the hero of your own journey exactly as you are, really loving yourself exactly as you are right now and knowing that who you are right now is great. And although you're going to be in a different spot next year, the core of you is still going to be you. And that that person is friggin' awesome. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So uh, enjoy the episode. Today, I wanted to talk about uh, surviving the workplace as both a neurodivergent and sensitive uh, person. And there's been a lot going around lately about trauma-induced empathy. And I was thinking about that because lately, especially, I guess, in the climate of the globe and the, you know, divisive political rhetoric, the, you know, disagreements over how best to save our planet, how to care for animals, how to care for humans and the people that we love, um, it it can be very easy, I think, to become uh, discouraged because I think we always grew up hearing, you know, humans are good, people are good, and we're seeing a lot of very uh, individual-centered a living rather than a, a community style living, a more, what's the word, circulatory economy, uh, which I've been reading about as well, which is pretty cool. Anyways, I got off on a little bit of a tangent there. <laughs> so coming back to being highly sensitive, uh, I have been, I wrote an article, I've been writing a lot for Medium lately, uh, really trying to gain readership. So if you're on Medium, please go find me, give me a follow. But I've been working towards uh, becoming a professional writer. And that's one of the ways that I've been uh, practicing uh, writing on a daily basis and sharing my writing with uh, the world in a public space. So it's good practice for me. And I wrote an article about surviving the workplace as a highly sensitive person. Uh, and I, it's interesting, this last <laughs> role that I had in my career, like at my day job, it was probably the most challenging and it's probably left me with the most light bulbs at the same time. And the grief and stress is definitely not over, even though I, I resigned my position uh, a month ago. It's starting, I'm starting to see sort of that value in being misunderstood. I'm starting to see how some of these hard experiences have shaped me into really solidifying what my beliefs are about leadership, about management, about uh, daily choices, about how to live your life well, but also that we all have the right to take up space regardless of our needs and regardless of how typical or divergent we might be. This Radical acceptance of self has uh, been a bit tumultuous. I'm using some big words. Uh, (laughs) It's been a back and forth. It's been one day I am like loving life and I'm loving who I am. And the next day I'm quickly sucking myself back into you're an imposter. You're a fraud. Some of these people are right. You're a disaster. You're you know, a loser. And it's been really interesting sort of observing my own psyche from, you know, a third person uh, viewpoint 
in that battle back and forth as it grows and changes and learns to love myself, how scary that is for myself. What I've been reading about back to trauma-induced empathy, what I've been noticing as well is that my empathy during this last six months, and I've always been an empathetic, compassionate, sensitive person where I feel suffering and struggling and I have to be very careful what I consume or, or view because it can really uh, hurt my heart and it can really damage or set my mental health back a little bit even really small things. Uh, like the other day I was in a bad place and I was scrolling through social media, which is never a good idea. And there was a picture of a mouse and a frog and someone had framed it as all their friends. And I knew that wasn't likely. And I stupidly opened the comments, just never opened the comments. And of course the frog had eaten the mouse and you could see the little legs sticking out of its mouth. And I sobbed and then I had nightmares. And then I saw a frog on my hike and I'm like, you're evil. And <laughs> But not really, he's just surviving. And I was so tr triggered um, with sadness about like, how do I live on a planet where my heart is so soft, where everything is about consuming something else and there's so much pain and, and whatever. And I was really focused on that dark uh, for quite a number of days. I'm getting a little emotional talking about it. And I think, <laughs> So the empathy in me is growing and it's getting almost unbearable. Like it's so raw. It's like an exposed nerve that really needs to grow some muscle around it. And, and I think part of that is, is trauma, right? Like, so it is going through something traumatic, whether that was, you know, largely traumatic or a series of, you know, a death by a thousand cuts, small traumatic moments that led to, you know, some bigger issues they call it uh, complex post-traumatic syndrome and i've had quite a bit of trauma in relationships and stuff again uh through my own vulnerability and trusting people that uh with you know my worth my value and placing my worth and value in other people's hands and heads um has been a mistake that i've done all my life it doesn't mean though that i deserve it so if you have put yourself in situations where you've been hurt and you face trauma, just know it's not your fault. It's not your fault for being, you know, sensitive. It's not your fault. You don't, just because you are a little bit easier to hurt doesn't make you, doesn't mean that it's acceptable for people to hurt you. People should actually take more care like they do with children. You put a baby on board sign. Maybe that's what I need to do. Like baby on board, <laughs> just baby on board. Like just be gentle. Like, <laughs> and I think that's where sometimes the world gets wrong, where you're seen as weak when rally, really the world should rally around because we're all going to take turns being more, more soft, more, you know, easy to hurt. And then other times we're a little bit stronger. That's just the way of the world. So this trauma induced sensitivity, I just thought I was just like a highly sensitive person. Uh, but I think really it's, I don't even know if that's a natural trait. I think it is. Maybe you were born a little more like Kumbaya or Zen. And I think babies generally are more empathetic and curious as to the experience of things around them. Um, and that can be, you know, we sort of grow to that a little bit or it's beaten out of us in some shape or form. And what I'm realizing is that some of that sensitivity and the empathy has really been how I've responded to things in my life that have hurt me. So rather than becoming hard 
and hurt people back. I've become very soft and tried to cushion life around me and cushion things for people so that they feel safe. They have a soft place to land. That's sort of what I've always done. And even in business, when I've led teams or other people, I'm like, I will always be your soft place to land. You can come at me, come with me, and I will not react back to you. And uh, I will let you get it off your chest. And sometimes I can be stern or firm when needed, but I'm definitely not hurtful as much as I can help it. And if I am, I definitely uh, apologize, recognize it, and work on that. It's not something I ever see as an acceptable way to treat other people. Um, We make mistakes. That happens, but you have to own up to it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, as well, I was also listening to a video about ADHD and how the, you know, the world and the system and productivity, schooling, workplaces are all sort of built around this neurotypical mindset. And there's quite a few of us that are divergent where the normal rules of productivity and organization do not work for us. And we can, because we're already sensitive and hard on ourselves and tend to overachieve to overcompensate and burn ourselves out. Um, it can feel like setting us up for failure. And you know, what's interesting is in my last role, one of the reasons I wanted to work there was they talked a lot about neurodivergence and flexibility. And unfortunately, I guess I just didn't have the right type uh, of neurodivergence. I mean, I'm not, I don't have something that's really quite noticeable. It's really quite subtle. And because I am capable and I've done a lot of work on managing my ADHD and sensitivity that maybe it, maybe it's not clear that I actually need a little more uh, support than what it appears I might need. So it might be like, why are you asking for that? You can do that yourself, <laughs> but sometimes I can't. So this video really got me thinking about, it talked about how things like, you know, how we set up our, one second, my computer froze. I just want to make sure it's still recording. Perfect. Um, the So it's like organizational tools. So one of the things that me as a person with ADHD, my email inbox on all my emails is a friggin' nightmare. It is a nightmare. I If you email me, it'll be there. I'll find it. But it is full. And I think, and I just learned this year of all times, being someone that's, you know, an activist, that... Uh, these emails actually create carbon damage to the planet. I'm like, shit, I'm a big offender because my kids laugh because I look at my phone, they'll be like 3000 notifications. I'm like, it just is what it is. Like I've got to come up with a way to, and often what I do is I'll spend like a day going through and just cleaning it out and then starting from scratch again. And sort of those normal ways of organizing my email as an example, just doesn't work. Like, cause I'll, I'll put a system in place like, touch it once and file it, touch it once and file it, touch it once and file it. And I'll work for a few days and then it's right back to, oh my God, there's 50 in there again. (laughs) I'll unsubscribe to things. I (laughs) block emails now. Um, But mostly what I've done is just turned off notifications so that I'm not bombarded with guilt about, oh shit, I didn't empty that notification. Oh shit, I didn't check that email again. So I'm going to start looking at some other neurodivergent ways to manage some of these neurotypical systems that we have for productivity. Uh, So another one is like uh, 
uh, one that's really hard for me is when I see people that work, you know, their eight hour day and they're just sort of steady, steady eddies. They can just accomplish a steady amount of work through the whole day, like almost like a cow grazing on grass. It's just constant and it makes good progress every day. And it's a very steady climb towards their goals. And it's very noticeable where me, <laughs> it's sort of like in spurts where it would be like more, I guess, like a lion's talking its prey. Lions spend, you know, 18 hours a day resting and then they go hard and they hunt and they bring a beast down for dinner. And that is sort of how my brain works, where it may look like I'm doing nothing. I may be sitting here consuming media. I may be sitting here reading. I may be sitting here even thinking or doodling or making lists. But then all of us, but it's all preparation because all of a sudden, click, something goes off in my head and I'll bang out four hours of work in one hour. And that's normal. <laughs> but unfortunately, that pace is not sustainable over an eight hour day. So if I, whenever I've tried to do that one hour of crazy focus, because that's how I work, uh, when I tried to do that all day long, I burn out really quickly and it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's really tough. And it's in some places I've been praised for it because like, wow, you get that really done really fast. But then they expect it to be very consistently always that way. Oh no, that was, you know, you know, this morning, this afternoon, I'm going to work on this, you know, admin stuff because my brain can't handle that spurt again, depending on how long or how hard uh, that I've been working. And so unfortunately, if you have, you know, an old school management style where it's very much about, you know, you outputting consistent things that you have very time-based measurements like it's really like hey you have eight hours what are you doing with every second in that day I will not measure up but if you look at say a three-month period or even a one-week period of all the things that I've accomplished over time even if half of it it looks like I just sat at my desk or went out for a walk um, it still is equal to but because it's so sporadic it can sometimes leave me as a bit of a mark and I've worked with some great bosses that use that to their advantage and used my hyper focus and understood the thinking process and understood my creative brain and how it works. And that has led to magic. And I've done some incredible things in my career that I'm very proud of and led to some really great success in my life, period. And then worked for others that were like, I don't know what you do all day. You seem so undisciplined. And that is really hurtful because that also triggers my insecurity. Like, no, they're right. I sat there today and I stared at the screen that I was supposed to, but I didn't actually type anything in or because I just didn't know what to do. I just didn't know what to do at the time. I mean, I did know after staring at it. And then when I did it, I got it all done in way less time. But people think that because... I got all that done so quickly that I should be able to consume that much work for the rest of the eight hours of the day. And it, that's just not, not how my brain works. So, so if you can relate to that, I want you to know that you are okay. You are totally normal and you have to figure out how to work for someone or how to ask for support in a way that people understand what you need and understand your objectives and find a way to manage you in a way that makes you successful. Um, maybe you feel like a sore thumb. Maybe you feel like you get really distracted 
So it's interesting. I never thought I was a social person, but if I am, you know, stuck with a task that I'm sort of going through that brain churn, just trying to prep and get ready uh, to have that burst of energy, uh, talking to people is sometimes what spurns that on. So, but that can be distracting for them. If I'm like, Hey, what's up? How was your weekend? Because what it does is it takes the focus away from that pressure from what I'm supposed to be doing. And it allows my brain to do its thing in the background. So then boom, I have my idea and off I go, uh, which is why I walk a lot because I find walking, doing yoga, those kinds of things, same thing. It sort of accelerates that process and boom, off I can go. So like today, as an example, I have <laughs> so much I need to do. <laughs> and, and I spent most of the day yesterday just sobbing, going, what am I doing with my life? And today I should have done more things. I mean, and yesterday I worked hard. I did a lot of stuff and I, I worked an eight hour day just doing what I needed to do to make a little money, make sure I have rent uh, to pay because I'm unemployed right now. Well, self-employed, I guess, but not making money at my self-employment yet. Uh, so feel free to donate. Uh, to me or hire me as a coach. Happy to do that. Uh, but I <laughs> follow me on Medium or anything, you know, share my podcast so people can see it. Uh, all that helps. Um, but today, this morning, I got up and I, I sat at my desk and I looked at a couple things and I read through some emails and I did, I had a goal of one thing. There's a headhunter that I'm working with and I had to fill in this big, long application and it was sort of daunting and I had looked at it a few times this week and that same thing, looking at it and going, oh, I have no idea what to write there. I have no idea what to write there. So I sort of kept putting off, putting off, putting off. And then today I'm like, I know what to write. So I sat down and I got it all done and I filled in the whole thing very quickly and got it off. Now to him, it's going to look like it took me three days. Really, it took me 45 minutes, but it did take the three days because all that time in the background of the brain sort of ruminating in my subconscious on what I'm going to put on that form was happening because that's how my brain works. So anyways, uh, if you may have peculiar traits, maybe, you know, you are in a meeting and you're the coworkers like, Hey, let's go for lunch. now." you're like, no, I need to go sit in my office. Maybe you need to, uh, maybe you're affected by lighting or noise or temperature time of day, other people's emotions, other people's smells from the microwave, all these things. You might have a nervous system that's just more fine tuned. And it can be your superpower, whether it's ADHD and neurodivergence or whether you're, you know, highly empathetic or a highly sensitive person. Maybe that's trauma induced. Maybe it's just your natural state of being. So I like to think of it this way. You know, the average person will see the world as, you know, going to the movie at a regular theater where we, if you are sort of that sensitive or ADHD person, you're always experiencing a 3D IMAX show with like motion seats and like really loud surround sound and it's tossing us around. So everything's always at full power. Um, but because we are a little more rare, only about 15% of the world and we're normal, this is not, there's nothing wrong with you. If this is you, this is not a disorder. I know sometimes it's called a disorder. It's not, it is just a brain type. It is normal. You just are not typical. But that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. You don't need fixing. You just need to be able to share what works for you and get the support that you need and live your life in a way that makes the most sense for the way your brain works. Um, so the workplace, you know, it's not really built for our needs and when it comes to success, but we can be successful. Our intuition is a gift. It's usually spot on. 
And I remember that even with this job. So I have been experiencing ever since I started. And, you know, it's interesting because in the beginning, everything seemed really great. And everyone kept talking about how great it was to work there. Everyone seemed really happy. And uh, everything seemed to be going well. I asked for feedback. It was positive. But I always had anxiety. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I thought it was me. Why am I feeling this crazy anxiety? I've always been able to speak my mind to my bosses. I've always been able to been you know, to get the answers I needed in order to calm any nerves. But this was outrageous. Like I had to go on extra medication and I was having a hard time managing other stressful things in my life. It felt like every little thing was one more thing that was going to knock me off and like put me out of the game. Like it has been a struggle and that has made me feel really bad because I've overcome a lot of things and I'm like, God, I should be past this by now. Like, will my brain ever get better? What else can I be doing in order to support mental health? Like, fuck. I'm done. Like I'm tired of trying to fix my brain. And the day I realized that my anxiety was for a reason, I was like, shit, that intuition, that intuition. And (laughs) I wish, (laughs) I wish I had listened to it way back when, because I may not have even taken that job. Although I'm sure in the end, there'll be some great story here that came out of this and you know, a year from now, I'll be like, that was the pivot point I needed to have that experience because look at me now. But right now I'm sort of in the middle of it and it's a little messy and it's a little painful. So I'm not quite there yet. People are like, don't worry, everything's for a reason. And I'm like, I, I know you're trying to help, but sometimes that hurts a little bit because I'm like, I don't know what the reason is yet, but we'll get there. So <laughs> I want you, if you are sensitive, I want you to acknowledge that you are special. Um, but you need to communicate your sensitivity in a way that seems reasonable to the typicals. Otherwise you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. You're going to draw attention to yourself and people are like, what the fuck? That person's so weird. So, (laughs) so for instance, if you have an intense meeting and you need to withdraw, don't say you're overwhelmed. Don't be like, Oh, I'm such a bad mood, but just, you know what? Like, wow, that was really inspiring. And I have a lot of things, but I just need to take a little bit of time to get them on paper. So just excuse me for a few minutes. I'll catch you, you know, at coffee break or whatever. Keep the attention on you light and simple. So for instance, if you need to take frequent breaks, you can joke, oh, I just drank too much water today or too much coffee. And that can explain, you know, your frequent trips away from your desk, right? In a way that makes sense. People are like, oh yeah, I did that when I started the gym. I drank so much water. I had to pee all the time. Anyway, so it can be discouraging again to watch coworkers carry on for long periods with great focus on their work. And we need to remember it's not about working hard, it's about working smart. We can accumulate stress easily through the day, even from things our other coworkers don't notice. So it's important to rest a few minutes every single hour, uh, release the stress, leave time between appointments, organize your task based on the intensity of your meetings and work obligations each day. So work in your power zones and then identify your triggers. Feed yourself well, focus on your value, not your sensitivity. What do you bring to the table? Uh, now, things that you may realize that you are in the wrong place. So say you're at work and you're just like, God, I just, I'm doing all these things. Christy, I'm, I've taken that list. I've applied it well, but I'm still just not fucking making it. And I don't know what's wrong. What else do I need to change? You may not need to change anything. You just may need to find a new environment or find a way to let the weight of someone else's expectations go where you don't feel their weight. You just do what you need to do and let it play out as it's going to, which is hard. I can't do that. So I had to leave, um, my position. Uh, so 
first of all, if you have that intuition that something's not quite right, even if it seems to be, listen to the intuition, you know, find a way to be comfortable, be like, what do I need to be comfortable? What am I actually worried about? And then face that head on. Ask for what you need. Even if people get annoyed, ask for what you need. So I, the first sign that you might have a boss that really is not right for your brain style or your work style is that nothing is ever about them. Now, because you're a highly sensitive person, you're probably also very hard on yourself. So if you are constantly the person that's the problem or, (laughs) or constantly the person under the magnifying glass, that is going to be an issue you, because you will hyper fixate on why is this about me again? It must be my problem. You're probably a, you know, might have tendency to people please or to be a fixer. So you are going to work yourself to death trying to make things right, but you may not even be chasing the right things. They may give you things that are distracting goals to make it look like you're chasing the right thing, but then you get in trouble for wasting time on those things. So nothing is ever about them. You know, maybe you have no direction. Maybe you get confusing or contradictory directions. You know, one day it's one thing, the next thing it's the next. Uh, Things are reworded subtly. Remarks or feedback feel maybe passive aggressive or rules for others is not the same as the rules you seem to have to follow. Maybe you ask for direction and then the response is they're concerned you're not resourceful enough. Like what, you can figure that out on your own. Why didn't you ask that person instead of me, even though they're your boss? Uh, When they change expectations on a dime, you may be accused of not being able to focus. And if you have ADHD, that is going to be a trigger. Someone's like, what? You couldn't plan out your day with my competing priorities? What? So now no leader is perfect. Some of those situations will come up accidentally because we are human and we make mistakes in how we communicate. So circumstances will change. Communication will fall short. And I've had that too. But a good boss will listen to your concerns and work with you to find the solutions so you can be successful. The wrong boss for you will just point out how the breakdown in whatever is happening is always completely your fault, where you feel like they're building a case against you. They're trying to gather evidence as to why you suck. That is not a good leader. A good leader will be like, okay, yeah, you're having issues and maybe your performance isn't where it needs to be, but I'm the leader and I play a role in that too. How do we work together to see if we can make this a good fit? That is really what a good boss will do. So look for that. So if you do have that kind of boss, communicate in writing whenever it's possible. Repeat what you believe their expectation is. Send it to them in writing to confirm. Uh, Deliver on those work objectives and be a reliable member of the team. That way, when your boss is looking for the evidence, (laughs) there really isn't any or they're really drawing at straws. Um, Another tactic that a boss might use or manager that is maybe not the right fit for someone that is divergent and needs support is they will divide and conquer. So maybe one week you're the very perfect employee, you're lavish with praise, recognition, people are like, wow, she's doing amazing. And the next you're a piece of crap. You know, you're not to the bottom of the pedestal. Someone else is better than you. Um, Maybe you and your teammates are constantly compared to one another. So these types of bosses are a little bit insecure and they thrive a little bit on control. Now, some of this might be very subconscious. They may not even realize that they're doing it. Some people think it sounds really malicious and I don't think these behaviors are. I think they are just tendencies of insecure people that just don't have that self-awareness or are very scared to be vulnerable, very scared to 
do whatever. Or, you know, maybe they have their own imposter syndrome and they're worried like, well, I'm not a good enough boss unless I'm controlling and, and really, you know, managing things, you know, with an iron fist and, you know, making sure that I play a role in absolutely everything that goes on here. So that goal would be to create an environment where people work harder and then they scheme against each other to maintain that position of being the top employee. They're constantly trying to one up one another. So with that type of boss, and this was a strategy I took and it worked well for me as far as like referrals and friendships and relationships is safety numbers. So if you unite with your team members, you communicate, you hold each other in high esteem, you don't gossip, you actually encourage, you know, positive talk about each other, you support, you create a collaborative environment that's healthy. Your team that can discourage actions that aim to drive a wedge between you and your coworkers. So it becomes more impenetrable. So then what happens sometimes is the boss will actually get with the program because they're kind of like, ah, look at the man together. I either better join in the fun and let's do this together and I need to grow as a leader or I'm going to do everything I can to shred this part. So um, that is one thing to look at. And one of the other things that will happen with a boss that may not be good for someone with ADHD or is one that cannot manage their emotions. So they have no emotional regulation. Everybody has a mood swing. I snap at my children and, you know, family, friends every once in a while, you know, we can get on edge. We can get an edge at work, going to a meeting, wonder if you're going to get, you know, but if you're going into a meeting, wondering if you're going to get the happy boss or the over demanding boss or the mean boss, that is really unhealthy. If you're always on your toes, like, or worrying about, can I say the right thing? Can I say the wrong thing? Am I going to push them over the edge? Anxious employees stay on their toes though. And a covert boss, someone who's sort of doing, sort of gets off on that power of your anxiousness may even apologize or make it seem like they're trying to be empathetic or have good intentions that they're just trying to make everything better. But if those inappropriate overreactions and their outbursts, which can be borderline abusive, you know, abusive language, that kind of thing, then really, if it continues to happen, even after apologies and, you know, saying the right things, you got to really watch their actions. Are they actually wanting to improve their emotional intelligence and grow their leadership? So how to survive this type of boss? Well, it's really nothing you can do to control others. So there's nothing you can do to have someone change their reactions to things. But you have to try to remember it's not about you. And that is hard. That was really hard for me. And it's still even hard now because uh, as I apply for new jobs, I have that little voice in my head that's like, what if they were right about me? But one of my favorite sayings is just because they're going on the roller coaster doesn't mean you have to buy a ticket for the ride too. So while that's easier said than done, especially if your level, your livelihood is on the line, which mine was and is, it's gone. Practicing self-care, making time to do the activities you love outside of work can help make, you know, that more bearable. But the really important thing is to talk about the situation with trusted people in your life. Bottling up that anxiety or fear is not helpful. And you're just going to lead to more self-blame and often shame, which as a person with sensitivity or ADHD, you're going to be extra prone to because you're going to be probably rejection sensitive and you're going to be full of shame. Uh, because you're always going to feel like you don't measure up. And that's not because you don't. You do. Just most of the measuring posts in this world are neurotypical measuring posts where some of the things that you can be celebrated for, you need to draw a little extra attention to instead of focusing on the typical ones that maybe you feel you fall short of. But I mean, really, there are lots of other jobs and opportunities 
And if you have the means, you know, invest in the service of a job seeking professional, help you find the perfect opportunity. I mean, there's a lot of headhunting agencies that don't charge anything. They'll help find you a position. Um, so one thing I wanted to say about, so say now you're in, you're going in for work and you're looking for a position and now you're at the interview stage. Remember that these interviews are two ways. They're not just interviewing you and you're hoping that you are good enough to get a job. You are also vetting them to see if they are good enough for you as a leader, especially with your special needs. And so one of the things that I would definitely look for is um, look for one of the things that was a flag in one of my interviews was how much attrition there was with employees. And there was some language about former employees as well. That was a little unnerving, but it was all explained. So it was all very neat and tidily explained with words. And that made sense. It was rationalized. And I really would look at the actions and the actual measurements of the company rather than what people are trying to say. Because remember, if they want you or think that they want you at the time, they're going to try to sell you on things. The other thing I would do is I would be really clear about your job description. Really make sure it is clear, not only what you're there to do, but what the expectations are for how, when you are inspected, what time frame do they expect you to be an expert in all those tasks in your job description? Have them outline what are the priorities. So maybe have the job description even in order of priority of learning and time spent in your day. So you might need, you know, a breakdown, you know, 50% of your time should be on this, 20% of your time should be on this. Uh, so that way you can't uh, lose focus uh, and, you know, pick off things that, you, you know, you know, you can do well. So you'll do those quick to try and earn, but then have them use that against you. Um, so really job description, looking at the actual metrics and reality, I would look at as well, uh, the employees. So if there's a way to find out, even in an interview to ask, you know, what was the last promotion you gave out? You don't have to give names or details or which department, but how long ago was that? How long has that employee worked here before they got a promotion? Right? Like what is the average amount of time an employee takes to receive some type of, uh, promotion? Uh, how much money have you spent in education? How much, uh, flexible time do you offer? Um, do you track time? So, for instance, if a job is treated as flexible, like, oh, you work when you want, but then, uh, okay, so how do you track time then? Oh, we use this really um, detailed sheet where you mark down everything that you're doing throughout the day. Those don't add up. <laughs> okay, so how do you, how do you measure people are meeting their objectives is a really good one to ask and ask them to like, what are the processes that you use to measure the objectives to make sure that that person is on track with their job description, with their career focus, with their, you know, succession planning as they move through the company. Okay. So really, really, really important to know those things ahead of time. And I would also um, really listen uh, to the communication in the interviews. Um, try and make sure, make sure you are being your authentic self too. So Make sure you're not just trying to impress them, you know, be yourself because the bottom line is you want to be yourself. You don't want to be masking all day long, 
it's exhausting, especially if you have ADHD or, you know, you're highly sensitive. You don't want to feel like you have to hide uh, or worry that you're going to be seen as weak or feel that you're going to be open to criticism. So make sure that you're very just you. So use your humor, use your tone of voice, use your words, um, and be very honest about your experience uh, and the things that you're excited about. So don't sugarcoat too much. But of course, celebrate your strengths in your interviews. So I hope that helps a little bit uh, as you're out there trying to find places to fit in. And that can be a really, you know, problem with where do I belong? And that can also feed into that imposter syndrome, right? Like, am I a fraud? Am I good enough? And just, yes, you are. Yes, you are. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You're an amazing human being. You're a value wherever you are, even if people don't always recognize it. I promise there's always something that you will bring to the table that nobody else can. And it's up to you to figure out what that is um, and really work with your strengths. So if someone asks what your working style is, so even in this application that I just filled in for that headhunter, they asked what's your working style. I work in spurts. So <laughs> I was very clear about my work style. It is not going to be a straight eight hours. I'm focused eight hours a day. It is going to be, I'm going to be two hours worth of focus in one hour. And then I'm going to be reading and then I'm going to be doing this. So I'm just very honest about, you will still get what you need out of me and much more, but you cannot put, but if you keep, but if you have to be aware of my work style, because if you trip me up or try to force me to work in a style that does not work for me, it won't work. It, it will actually backfire and I'll actually end up less productive. Uh, I won't be comfortable and I won't be staying as an employee. It just won't happen anymore. I've reached the age where I'm too old and yes, it is stressful not having uh, a secure income at the moment, but it is also way more peaceful uh, knowing that I'm in the driver's seat of my life. And the only person, the only criticism that I'm facing right now is the one for myself. And that is powerful because I can also compliment myself. And like I said, that radical self-acceptance is something I'm really working towards and really as well, really watching. So another thing is too, if you are constantly focused on, you know, self-help and, and fixing yourself up. And I do like, I love, I consume a lot of this. And even this podcast is like self-help, right? <laughs> but I try to do it in a way of like, you're okay as you are. You just need to see it. I'm not being like, oh, you need to improve. You really don't. Like you might just might need to recognize some of your triggers and learn how to manage some of those things, but you are fine just the way you are and set up your world around you for success. So if you're reading something and you're like, oh, I should do that. And you're feeling a lot of like, oh, I should be doing that. And I should be doing that. And I should be doing this. And I should be doing this. Stop reading it. Okay. The point of reading a motivational book is to actually feel better about yourself, not worse. So be very careful how much you're consuming that makes you feel like you need to change. And that was a hard lesson for me because I was like, I just need to read one more thing. I just need to change one more thing. I just, ugh. and it was a constant chase for this perfection as a hyperfixation, you know, ADHD, a perfection that can never be achieved. That is just not who I am. I will never be a perfect person, but I can be perfectly me. So I want you to really be careful about what you listen to. And it's okay to be like, no, I'm not taking that in. I was at a conference, was at that global leadership, and some stuff was amazing. I would say it was half and half. And other things I felt resistance, but I always ask myself, am I resisting this for good reason or because I'm just not ready to hear that right now? And I'd be like, no, I don't need to hear that right now. And so really starting to know my mind and what's actually going to be a benefit to me 
and the world around me and what is actually going to throw me off track. That's amazing to have your compass starting to fine tune. So just know if you feel the resistance, ask yourself, you know, is this a healthy resistance or is this like, I just don't want to do this yet. There's a difference. Uh, I don't have an idea as to how to get you to recognize the difference, but if it is a real like, fuck no, then no, don't worry about it. Walk away from it. And if it's a hell yeah, then yeah, yes, I love this. And if it's something that you're not sure, write it down somewhere and put it away and come back to it. You never know. It might be something you need, just might not be the right time. And that is okay. Your time, your way of doing things is perfectly fine. Trust me, the moment you start to believe in yourself and accept yourself, there's going to be some peace, even if you're almost homeless like me. (laughs) Oh, no, I won't be homeless. I will figure it out. We're going to be fine. Uh, Always am. And I always remember that it always gets really scary right before it gets really good. So uh, the last week has been really scary. So I'm feeling some really cool shit's about to happen uh, in the very near future. Well, thank you to me for being my wonderful guest today. (laughs) I'm just teasing. I am definitely going to start looking for some guests. I've said that a few times. I've had a few hit and misses. Uh, I do have some exciting guests coming up, um, but I'm joining some different uh, podcast swap groups to hopefully uh, bring in some additional speakers on different uh, strategies for people trying to just live a healthier, happier life. That is not, you know, it's, I'm the nutrition coach that doesn't even focus much on nutrition because really I think we feed ourselves with all different forms of nourishment. So if you would like a complimentary session with me, we do a little bit of a wellness assessment and figure out what you might need. It'll give you some strategies that you can then take and work on your own. Um, Or if you decide that I'm the right fit for you, then you can then uh, purchase my services as your coach. And those can be long-term, short-term, even temporary one sessions. Uh, I do a variety of different uh, things for people. Uh, One thing that I did recently was I even uh, did a cooking class. Someone hired me to actually come to my house and show them how to cook things, like cook things that they had always wanted to learn how to cook, like lentils and tofu uh, and other healthy, nutritious, whole foods, but weren't really able to, because of their uh, divergence, weren't able to sort of pick up from YouTube videos or whatever. They wanted to watch someone in person and be able to ask all the questions. Um, So those are the kind of things that I can do. So if there is a need in uh, wellness coaching or nutrition, don't hesitate to reach out and ask me. So, and again, please share this podcast. Please subscribe. Please encourage others to subscribe. And don't forget to go onto Facebook and look for the Girl Flair page, um, which is my public page. But I also have the community, which is full of really great conversations, really great content that the whole community participates in. Uh, with different wellness strategies, mental health tips, tools, uh, even just a lot of laughs because that is really how I like to live is is laughing and learning to find uh, the humor in situations because I would much rather laugh than cry. Sometimes it's both, uh, but, <laughs> but if I can make you laugh and see the lighter side of some of the dark that is going on, then I'm happy to do that. So come join our community. Please share the podcast. Uh, Book a free consultation with me and go check out my website, girlwithaflare.com. We'll talk to you soon.